You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Hello and welcome to episode 84 of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. Mr. Blasco is out this week, and I am going from co-host from the other coast to the actual host, and I have a co-host that I will introduce momentarily, but... Blasco has been off on his crazy journey of playing bass in Ozzy Osbourne's band. And the day that we normally record, he was attending uh, the bedside of a dear friend of his. And this week, I had gone to the funeral of We Came as Roman singer Kyle Pavone. So, you know, bear with us here as we still have a great episode. But just like all of you out there in loyal listener land, we have our own you know, lives that we have to deal with. And, um, you know, we talked about a way to make it work, but I've got a great treat for you. So I wanted to first let you guys know that this podcast is propelled by your input and feedback. So please rate and review us or leave a comment on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to this show. So without further ado, I am joined by the one and only miss emily white emily can you say hello for us hey mike thanks so much for having me uh absolutely no worries i'm glad to have you on um and this is such great timing in some ways because emily is a rock star manager not meaning that she manages rock stars though she does she is one of the you know best people that i have met in this business i was fortunate enough to run into her at a conference in milwaukee in 2014 and ever since then, she's inspired me with her passion and consistent record of achievement. Uh, she's in, she <clears throat> is the CEO of a boutique music company, um, and she mentors and works with interns every single day and wants to provide them with a valuable learning experience. She wrote the great book called Interning 101, which uh, as a guy who has owned a company for 15 plus years and has had specialists at my company handle our interns in an internship program this book absolutely blew me away Uh, as much as i thought i was doing all of the things to make an intern uh an intern's experience well worth their while i realized i was missing more than half of of what really uh, we could do as as a company as entrepreneurs to allow our interns to really flourish and be set up for you know a career in the biz Um, And because of that book and because of my fandom of Emily and her professionalism, uh, as part of the Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network, I asked her if she would do an Interning 101 podcast. So she has taken on the challenge. And of course, she's done it with, you know, both guns blazing. So today, when this episode airs of Managemental, I also encourage you guys to go over to wherever you listen to podcasts, but you can find it on the Jabberjaw Media page, and there'll be a link in our show notes. 
Uh, Monday, September 10th, the Interning 101 podcast will drop five episodes. And Emily, I'm going to just turn it over to you for a second. Fill in anything that you think I missed. I know you manage uh, sports um, icons. I know, you know, I've used your Dream Fuel platform for relatives of mine. Um, and I know you've done a million other things. So I'm going to turn the floor over to you to A, you know, fill in any of those gaps and then B, talk about whatever you want in regards to interning 101 uh, as an entity, whether it be the book, the podcast, or whatever you would like. Thank you, Mike. Uh, you pretty much nailed it, you know. Um, but I run, I, I run a management and consulting firm called Collective Entertainment. We work in music and in sports. And I would say over the past decade or so, I've definitely been at the forefront of what I call the modern music industry. But, you know, I think a lot of people call the new music business. So we create new business models around the artists. We build businesses around artists. And yeah, so we've been doing that a long time. And then the book, Interning 101, um, came out of necessity, really. I, I didn't set out to be an author by any means. I had written uh, for our management company something called the Intern Manifesto. And basically, that was just a handbook for our office um, because I figured if I could, you know, write down some, you know, basic modern business skills, maybe the interns, you know, could have that to reference and then maybe work on higher level things if they're interested. And I had a few great NYU interns with me one summer. And I said, if I turned this into like a 100-page how-to book for you and your classmates, would this be helpful? And the answer was like a unanimous resounding yes. So that's exactly what I did. Um, your feedback has been amazing because I, I get a lot of cool stories and things from interns saying, you know, this is why I was successful at Hans Zimmer's studios as an intern um, but to hear from an employer is even more special. That's that's really exciting that you took something away from it as opposed to just like, okay, great. Someone wrote down kind of what's expected of interns. So Yeah. And, and one of the things I really loved about it and everyone out there will have a link where you can purchase it. And, and I really can't recommend it enough. We don't give you guys a ton of calls to action. You know, I have my Outer Loop coaching platform, which I direct you to, but there is just something in this book for everyone. And what I love about it the most, and you know, when we just get into the the nuts and bolts of this episode, it's your way of of teaching an intern how to think to maximize the 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 global uh, goal of what being you know doing an internship accomplishes. All of the specifics, I think people can learn other places. I think the anecdotes are fantastic. But what I love, and you know, this is what I've loved about you since the minute I met you when you schooled everybody at this, you know, um, you know, not in a negative way, in a very positive way on a, you know, on a panel at this music conference, you just have a, a gift of how to A, really view things from a top level perspective, and then B, Break them down into, a, a, you know, you can communicate them in a very uh, digestible manner. And and that's something I strive to do and think that I have a bit of a gift for as well. But I think that to me is why, you know, I'm such a fan of yours and of this property, uh, the book, and then what we're doing on the podcast. So give me a sec about the, 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 the guests. So we're dropping five episodes. Can you talk a little bit about who they are, how you chose them, um, and sort of, you know, yeah that, I guess. Absolutely. So episode one has my business partners, Melissa Garcia and Katrina Blackley. 
who started as interns for me like 10 years ago. And the whole point of the interning 101 book and podcast is to teach, you know, the steps that you take to become successful. But I think a lot of, you know, most people like that kind of is the goal. How do I go from intern to CEO? There's no skipping steps. Yeah. And and as a side note, I mean, Melissa, who work is a partner at your company and does co-management duties for a number of the EDM artists at my company with another great guy, Han Kim. You know, I just had the pleasure of hanging with Melissa when our artist Trivecta was at Red Rocks. And I mean, she just is so put together. It's no surprise <laughs> that knowing you for 10 years and, you know, whether she followed the step by step or not, you know, the book wasn't written then, but the 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 way that that she turned out is exactly why I think this book and this podcast are so instrumental. And especially to our listeners who, you know, you're not really, you know, I'm sure you like some metal, but, you know, Blasco and I particularly focus on kind of metal, hard rock, you name it. Um, but these concepts are just, they're global, you know, no matter what the genre, no matter what the industry uh, I think you'd agree. Yeah, d- definitely on the genre. It doesn't matter as far as music industry goes. And, you know, many of my modern business tactics pull from startups and things like that. So I, I believe it's applicable um, to all fields. But for our metal fans out there, which I'm sure there are many, um, episode three and four has my dear friend, um, Brian Viglione of the Dresden Dolls. And if you know the Dresden Dolls, even though uh, they're on Roadrunner, um, they're not a metal band, but uh, I'm Brian is honestly one of my favorite drummers in the world, and his background is in jazz and metal. So he hits very precisely, but very hard. And everything I've ever learned about metal is from Brian Viglione. And my conversation with him um, was so long because I started with them. I started working with the Dresden Dolls when I was in college as an intern and grew up with that band professionally. Um, so lots of tour bus talks. I mean, when I told Brian, I wanted to learn about metal, he like busted out VHS tapes and was like, okay, we're starting at the beginning. So anyway, that's well. episode three and four. Cause Brian and I could talk for years. And of course, you know, Kevin Lyman is one of your first guests in this early handful of episodes. And, you know, when we talk about metal, so many of our artists that Blasco and I represent and the world that we, you know, spend time in is, you know, the warp tour world so um so guys girls loyal listeners head on over jabberjawmedia.com you can find everything there uh just like we ask you to rate and review our show early and i'm going to ask you to rate and review interning 101 help us spread the word uh in addition to these five episodes uh subsequent episodes interviews will come out every other week and we're dropping little mini tidbits in between those i'm not going to go too much into that because we want to really get into this amazing article um on on interning and so there's a woman named you know blasco typically is the one who goes through finds the articles kind of summarizes them for he and i to discuss uh this was thrown on me well i chose to throw it on myself and I came up with, I found an article by someone named Ariel Hyatt, who you know, Emily, for she's the owner of Cyber, Cyber, is that right? Cyber PR. Uh, their website is cyberpr.com. Her Twitter is at cyberpr. She seems like a badass. Her, this article is entitled How to Get an Internship in the Music Business Without a Single Contact. Um, last but not least, before we dig into that, 
rockabilia.com uh, is continuing to sponsor this show uh, and the network. So head on over to rockabilia.com using the code PC Jabberjaw for 15% off of your entire order. And bandzoogle.com is back on board. They're great. You know, you as, a, as an artist should have an artist website. Bandzoogle makes that really easy for you. Head on over and use the code mental for 15% off of whatever you can find over there. Um, they're both great companies. Tell them Blasco and Mike sent you. Tell them Emily sent you as well. Um, but yeah, let's dig into this episode. It's going to be killer. So let's get mental. Um, so Emily, we are talking about how to get an internship in the music business without a single contact. Uh, I sh- found this this article and I think we can just kind of go through it. The, you know, the most wonderful thing, if you haven't listened to all 83 previous of our episodes is, you know, this creates a great framework for a dialogue. Obviously, you bring a wealth of experience and perspective from your career. I bring that from my career. And of course, Ariel is the one who's written this. So it's exciting for us to be able to, to dig in and go through. Before we we go through the steps that she talks about. Are there any just top level kind of broader strokes that you'd like to cover um, before digging into the specifics about, you know, how to get an internship in the music business without a single contact? Uh, I think we can just kind of dive in because Ariel and I are like, you know, like sisters from another mother or something. And we share an attorney and she actually hosted an interning one-on-one book party at her insane, like four level home in Park Slope. So we're always seeing each other at conferences and things like that. And just we're always on the same page. So I'm excited to dig into this. And, and ex- you know, her, her title sounds like clickbait, but it's exact. It, it's true. And that was kind of like the point of me writing and turning 101. Like the first half of the book is it, and is also what we dig into on the interning 101 podcast mini episodes is my story and my journey because I'm a kid from a village in Wisconsin who knew no one in the music industry when I started. And since then, my name's been on the cover of Billboard and, and all of that. So I really, I like Ariel's title here of how to get an internship in the music business without a single contact. It's, it's actually true. So she starts, she says, so you want to be in the music business. There sure are a lot of ways out. There are a lot of you out there. She knows because she owns a PR firm in music. And every time she puts out a call for internships or jobs, she gets a stupid amount of resumes. She says, once upon a time, she was just like you. She was dying to follow her passion and trying to land a job in the industry of her dreams. It was humbling and at times humiliating exercise. So this article, uh, a young aspiring music business mogul is for all of you out there listening. Interns are very much needed in every facet of the industry. And most of the music industry friends, herself included, started out as unpaid interns back in their day before leveraging them into paying jobs. She says, if you live near New York or LA, this guide will be easy to follow step by step. If you don't, that's why we have Emily from her little village in Wisconsin. She says, you'll be amazed at how many small music companies are thriving in every city and state. Uh, So let's stop there because that's something I want to touch on. Um, I know what she's saying by saying, quote, small music companies, but I actually slightly disagree with that. I would say there are just music companies everywhere. So I hear this all the time. I'm sure you do on your travels as well. Like, you know, I'm from the Midwest originally, and I'll be in in Chicago now professionally, and people will be like, oh, it sucks here. It's not like New York (laughs) or LA. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You have 
literally Pitchfork. You have the Pitchfork Festival. You have Lollapalooza. You have really famous venues. Any international act is never going to miss um, your market. Um, Now, Chicago is a world-class city, but my point is there's things going on everywhere. And, And Milwaukee, which is where my parents live now, I've gotten to know their scene. Like, there's a scene everywhere. So you just have to immerse yourself in it and, and dig in. I love that point. And, you know, look, I'm based out of the greater Washington, D.C. area. You know, one of the things that I mentioned throughout all of the education that I do is, yeah, I mean, when I find out about somebody in D.C., I don't care who they are, what genre they are. And in fact, you know, I want to connect with them. And in fact, Han, who was you co-manage an artist with when we met at Yellowphone, you said, oh, you're in D.C. Have you met Han Kim? I said, no, I need to, because if he's in D.C. doing music, I want to connect with them. Lo and behold, we hit it off and we've got a great relationship, you know, which has tied me more into what you're doing. So I agree wholeheartedly, um, you know, that it's not just small music companies. There's there's tons of music companies. So she says she does a little disclaimer. Actually, while we're on that real quick, um, if you want to do sports, for example, um, something I've been working in professional sports for six years, which is shorter than my music career. Um, and sports is totally everywhere. So like I particularly work in like Olympic swimming cause I was on a swimming scholarship and my parents were coaches, but just for a quick example, like Michael Phelps, the most famous swimmer ever, his agent is based in Maine, you know? <laughs> so it's like, there are internships and fancy people everywhere. Yeah. And in this day and age of connectivity, I mean, look right now at outer loop, I mean, we just, I just hired two new people both of which interned, neither of which were anywhere close to uh, our home office in D.C. So the opportunities are out there. Um, she throws a little uh, this uh, whatever. Um, she says, please note, due to policies, larger companies need to employ only students enrolled in college. Uh, if your internship is not for credit, check before you get your heart set on a position. Let's not worry too much about that. This is something that before we get into the steps, your biggest and most important lesson, you will not be paid. Do you have any input on that? I have a whole chapter in the book about that. <laughs> um, obviously, it's a super controversial issue. Uh, but you know, the younger we can get this information out to people, the better. Interning is so important that you have to budget that into your educational plan. So however you are paying for school, be it loans, scholarship, cash, probably some sort of combination, apply that to your internships as well. Um, So just make sure you can, you, you know, you carve that out so you can at least do one internship. And there's a ton of best practices on when to do it and things like that. Um, But it is just as crucial as the work you are doing inside the classroom. And don't sweat if you can only intern, you know, two, three days a week. Like, I promise you're not missing anything by not being there, you know, freaking seven days a week or whatever. You're fine. But just make sure you get that real world professional experience and you, you know, you you factor that into your educational plan. And let me also add the best interns I've ever had were also working um, because then suddenly they were developing time management skills. A lot of times those jobs are waitressing, bartending, things like that. Suddenly they're developing interpersonal skills, even networking skills if they're working at a venue. So the I, I don't want, you know, we, we could also talk about wellness all day and I want people to have balance, but at the same time, like, take it Oh, on. come on, they're young. Exactly. We only need balance now because we're older, That's Emily. That's the time to take it on. Exactly. 
exactly. Um, I will say, I mean, one interesting thing that someone reminded me of, I was working with an artist. We ran a tour budget. They came back negative. They, they lost money. And, you know, what I said was you didn't lose money. You invested in your career. And at the same takeaway here is you're working, quote unquote, for free. You know, many of us that are running these businesses, I know Emily is probably the same as me. I want to pay everybody. Um, sadly, sometimes it's hard just even to pay my existing staff and myself. Um, we are boutique. We are small. That said, you know, it's it. Yeah, it really is an investment. So let's dig into the steps. Step one, she says, identify your areas of interest. Ask yourself, what part of the music business do you want to be in? Marketing, radio, publicity, online, touring, A&R, blah, blah, blah. So what do you, how do you feel about step one here? I think um, on one hand, it's good. Um, it, it, and I, I was this person. I, I was like, I used to stress at age 19, like I knew I was going to be in the music industry, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And internship bosses and advisors and stuff were like, you're fine. And I completely (laughs) understand that now. Um, But in hindsight, you know, I I did like nine internships as an undergrad, which is a little insane. And I would do two at once. Um, But in hindsight, that was a great, that was great experience to become an artist manager because as managers, we deal with all facets of the industry. So now I can empathize with what it's like on the other end of the inbox or phone or things like that, because I interned all these places. So, um, yeah, so, so try to figure out what you're interested in. Um, and if you can't figure that out, but you know, you want to be in music or entertainment or whatever, that's great. That's a start, but just dig in. I think the part that I hesitate on is when she says something like, um, uh, if you don't specify what you're looking to try, the people in charge of hiring you will have no idea how they can fit you into their business. I, I think that interns, you know, once they get the internship also need to be kind of a blank slate because so on one hand, you need to prepare, you need to go to the company's website and get to know the artists and the principal people involved. But you need to be you need to be a blank slate as far as the tasks you're going to be given because you have no idea. So I don't want to set, I, you know, she's she's really explaining kind of the functions of like a major label. I think she's actually right. assuming that's that's where you're applying. And, and if you are, that's fine. You know, you could say you're interested in those things. You might not land in that department. It really doesn't matter. Um, but I think the, the part I hesitate on is at the same time, you don't have a say over where you're going to end up. So don't get too hung up on that. Yeah. I mean, all great points. And in the article, she lists some things, you know, some specific steps. And of course, in the book, Emily talks more about this stuff. I mean, to me, so much. And I, and I do love as managers, you know, I, I, I do, I want to have sat in the role of the other players in the biz so I can empathize and understand when I'm hounding them on whatever it might be. I know that they're not, you know, uh, withholding information or delaying things just for the sake of doing so they may be waiting on something else. Um, you know, I will say, I had no clue what I wanted to do. I still don't even know what I want to do most days. Um, A lot of internship and early jobs isn't even so much figuring out what you want to do. It's figuring out what you don't want to do until the little light bulb goes off in your head. So I respect it that, you know, I would agree. When I was younger, I was a lot more stressed out about, am I doing the right thing? Am I maximizing this? And again, I think that goes back to those global concepts that you talk so much about in the book. It's not, you know, it's really like, 
how you approach it, your work ethic, you, the way that you connect with people, all of the things that, that you talk about in the book. So step two, she says, wait, make wait, wait. Let, just real quick on the, <laughs> on the, am I doing a right, the right yeah. thing? I think every, every human, but definitely every college student can relate to that. And in hindsight, you are doing the right thing. You know, like people have said to me over the years, like you were so lucky to work with the Dresden dolls. And I, I feel weird saying this about myself, but I feel, I feel the same way about countless other people. It's like, yeah, but I would have been successful. Like I'm obsessed with the band Oasis. I went and interned in London at MTV. My plan was to camp outside Marcus Russell's office who managed Oasis until he would let me help with something. That ended up not being my path. The Dresden dolls and other things ended up being my path. But if the Dresden dolls didn't exist, I would have been successful in music doing something else. So like, I want to point out, like, I completely understand that stress and anxiety of like, oh my gosh, should I choose this internship or that internship or this class or this person or that? It's all good. As long as you're doing stuff, it's good. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, and, you know, um, I don't know. I lost my train of thought there uh, because I'm ready to move on to step two. And by the way, Emily always makes great points. So step two, make a dream list of companies and artists that you love. Research as much as you can in your chosen field if you love a specific band or artist. And you just sort of touched on this. So any further bit on making this dream list? Is that important? Is it not important? Um, it's important. Uh, I, you know, in the book, I talk about identifying five to ten companies. I hesitate. And I, I wish Ariel was here to comment on this um, as far as artists you love. Um, luckily Noel Gallagher, who I'm obsessed with, um, dedicated Don't Look Back in Anger to me at a festival in Germany. And that was amazing. But other than that, there is the adage of don't meet your heroes. Um, so I, I think a couple of things here. One, if you're a, f we're all fans, right? But like, you know, Han Kim, who we keep referencing, I knew he was an industry person for life. Um, when one morning he's like, yeah, I got up early, had some coffee, knocked out all these emails to Europe. Now Han will be like, you know, dancing harder at his EDM shows than the <laughs> paying fans. So like, he's definitely a fan, but I could see a passion for the work as well. So if you just want to be a fan, stay a fan. And even if you know that you're an in industry person like lifer, just know that there is that phrase, don't meet your heroes, like really quick. Um, I, I obviously wouldn't say who it was if I could remember, but my former, former business partner's husband was so sick of seeing like artists he loved that we would engage with be assholes that he was like, can you guys please just not manage? Oh, who was, it doesn't matter who it was. Cause we, it's, 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 um, we didn't manage this person. He's like, oh, I know it was, uh, can you guys please not manage Tori Amos? Cause if she's a jerk, I just can't handle it. Um, so I, I don't know how I feel about the artists you love thing. And really, really quick on that. Um, I tour managed out of college. And when I came off the road, I worked full time at a management company called Madison House. That's where I really got my, my management chops. And my boss gave me two artists to work with that I didn't love. And I thought, I don't love them. How am I going to be able to like be passionate about this? And in hindsight, that was ridiculous because I learned so much. One of them was opening for Josh Groban, which might sound lame. But anytime you have a chance to work on a, on an arena tour, do it. And the other, I mean, they they were both phenomenal artists. So I'll be open. It was Angelique Kijo and Taj Mahal. And not only did I grow to love their music and them as people, but I learned a ton because I was still 
learning management. So just be careful with the like make a dream list of artists you love part because I don't want to see. Yeah, that. I mean, look, you know, it, it, there's so many strategies, and when I, you know, go to help artists change their branding or change their name. You know, we'll start with their favorite bands, their favorite albums, their favorite songs. So it doesn't mean that we're going to exactly rip those off or take them. Uh, you know, I think this in and of itself, I think the best takeaway from what I'm hearing you say is proceed with caution. Uh, you know, many of us have met our heroes and it has let us down. That said, you know, one of the things that Emily and I are able to do just as when Blasco's here is. You know, it's sort of like we're parents at this point to all of you, and we can tell you how to avoid the failures and shortcomings that we did. But a huge part of it is learning on your own. You don't know how your heroes are going to either inspire you or disappoint you until you you meet them. Um, so step three, rock your resume. She's got uh, things here. Be concise, one page only. Be detailed. What did you do at previous jobs? Be interesting. Include personal touches. And then three quick tips. Any takeaways here on how important the resume is um, and how it should be rocked? Yeah, she's exactly right on being concise. It's insane to me when I see more than one page resumes um, from interns. If mine can fit on one page, yours can. Um, and then, yeah, just like you know, being interesting, being detailed, like I'm, this might be weird, but like the things that stand out to me on resumes are if, you know, you've had some sort of, um, job where you interact with humans. Um, so again, that can be waitressing, bartending, you know, humaning a front desk, something like that. Um, but you know, like if swimming is on there, if yoga is on there, like that's going to stand out to me. Now that's me individually, but my point is like, Put the sports you're in. Put the clubs you're in. Um, you know, I I have a high school senior interning for me right now, which we would rarely do, but she's my dad's a swim coach and she swims for my dad, and so I'm just kind of mentoring her. I had her do a resume just so I had something to like read and look at when I was interviewing her, and also so she could learn how to put a resume together. But what I do really want to highlight on here that doesn't get talked about enough is adding your social media to your resume. And because, you know, students are told at this point, I'm sure starting in like grade school, like <laughs> don't be an idiot on social media. I take the complete opposite approach. It's like, hey, start thinking about your presence on social media. Like when I started a management company in 2008, that was right around when Twitter started. And so I joined Twitter sarcastically and was like, maybe someone will care about this young woman, you know, um, starting starting a music company. And within a year, I was named a must executive to follow on Billboard. And I follow one very simple rule on social media. And the rare times I break it, I get in trouble. So if you can follow this rule, you'll be fine. I try to only post positive things on the internet. So if you can start with that mentality as young as possible, your social will be fine. And just real quick, like this came to life for me um, when I had an assistant and her dream job came up somewhere else. In fact, I'm the one who knew about it. And I recommended her for it because I could get another assistant. And how often does one's dream job come up? And I hadn't seen her resume in a long time. And it was really well designed. Don't worry if, if you don't have design skills, because I don't. But she had her social handles at the top because she went to tons of live shows and industry events and things like that. So instead of hiding oh, I was, you know, at a frat party and wasted and that's embarrassing. She was highlighting, hey, I'm out 
out and about in Nashville and doing a bunch of things. And that really stood out to my colleague who was interviewing her. So take the social, all the bad things you're hearing about social media in school is correct, but take the opposite approach. And if you keep it positive, you'll be fine. What I will say is be genuine, you know? And so if you're on socials, you know, and it's you and you can stand behind it while you were at the frat party, while you were at whatever show, you know, but I, I do like it you know, follow some guidelines, some stuff that, you know, you, you don't have to put everything out there. And those of us that are hiring people, it is, it's something we want to check out. Emily and I, I'm sure hire very similarly. We want genuine humans. That's why we both like a guy like Han, who we've referenced is yes, he cares about his artists and he's got a great skill set that can help advance the artist. So step four is recommendations in an industry that's so dependent on connections. It comes as no surprise that a couple of Great key references can help you get where you want to be. So she says, old employer, a professor, great person in your life who can write a recommendation. Um, how does this play in uh, for, for you, Emily? Uh, so this is something I, I really disagree on. I And again, this could be a weird me thing. I'd love your thoughts. Um, I am not a fan of letters of recommendation. Um, what I would like to see is if you do have a couple references, obviously have that at the bottom of your resume. So if I'm going through resumes and I see Ariel as a reference, I see Mike as a reference. If I see people I know, I'm just going to call you guys, you know? Yeah. And I also know how busy we are on the boss end. Um, do I Look, I will write a letter of recommendation for anyone that deserves it, but it just feels like such an outdated thing because I would rather, you know, if someone's pl- applying to Outer Loop or applying to Ariel's company, I would rather write a letter of recommendation on why I think they would be good for that, not just why they're good in general. If I think they're good in general, I'm going to be listed as a reference and you can hit me up anytime. So just Yeah, I think recommendations slash references could go the same way. I think, you know, for the more formal things, I think you said it earlier, it does seem as if a bit of this is framed towards getting a job at a major label or something like that. And since we don't work at those places, I can't really comment on, you know, that might be important for them. So don't overlook this. But for the small boutique ones, I think more than I've talked about this in plenty of earlier episodes, it's more the introduction. You know, uh, I get so many interns from, you know, professors. Uh, and when they are the ones who call me and say, hey, this student really likes your genres. You know, they've talked about you and things that really open the door. So step five, start applying. Uh, call the companies of your dreams. May not be advertising for interns, so you need to cold call and ask first if they would consider accepting a resume. There's websites where employers post for interns. We'll put this in the show notes, such as entertainmentcareers.net and, of course, your college career office. Uh, any any takeaways here? No, I, th- I, I, I think we're good. Cool. So step six, she's got the golden rules, which is kind of cool because this is almost like mini steps. So... She says, actually, I'm not going to read them off. I would like to just see if if there's any that stand out to you, any that you disagree with or agree with. Yes. Um, I think I was maybe a little harsh on the letter of recommendation because in my brain, I was confusing it with a cover letter. So right. here's something that, and Ariel and I are like really good friends. Um, so here's something we really disagree on clearly. Uh, she says, never, ever send a resume without a cover letter. I, I see what she's getting at. That is customized and mention why you are the perfect intern. In my world, and like I, say, like I say in the book, like this is, I'm talking about like independent music companies. In my world, the cover letter is dead. To me, the cover letter is the short email you are sending with the PDF resume attached, not 
here's an email, here's a word doc of like a generic cover letter. And then here's a word doc of my resume. Like I want as few clicks as possible. I want to get to the point. And you want to save some meat and some good stuff for your interview. And the whole point of this is to get your foot in the door. So send a short and concise email. We have examples in the Interning 101 book of like literally exactly what to say and why it's effective. And then have that PDF resume with your references at the very bottom of that. So it's just one one page. I don't really think there's a point for a cover letter. As far as independent music companies go, like I say in the book, if you're applying for a law firm or Wall Street or something, you need to think about your specific industries, but not as far as the independent music industry goes. Yeah, I think that's a, a great point. And I think my takeaway in going through this and listening to you is, you know, almost have multiple approaches to dependent upon what the level of, you know, the company is. Um, for me personally, and, you know, look, I run my show and how I do things might change on a day-to-day basis. I want to get an introduction from somebody who I trust. I want whatever you're providing to me to catch my attention, right? And in fact, if those two things, so if I like your socials or there's something about you that, you know, Again, like you said, there's some overlap, yoga, you name it. I'm then going to have a conversation with you. And in that conversation, I'm really going to use your resume as my way of interviewing you. What was it about this particular thing? What was it, you know, whether it be your school experience, what have you. That said, I might be the only person that that does it that exact way. Um, so I think, you know, for those of you out there listening, just, you know, kind of have the the like completely buttoned up approach nailed and then also for the more boutique people have a little bit less of a formal um approach to it where yeah you're kind of catching our attention and you're showing that you're a a cool fun human because at the end of the day emily and i uh are slammed on everything that we do and from my experience whether it's employees or interns i want people who are bright adding value and fun to be around um so step seven, send a physical copy of your resume. I think we can, you know, get that. Step eight, she says, treat each resume like a lost I will comment on kitten. step seven really quick. Um, yep. I think I think you can send a physical copy. That's a good, like, physical reinforcement. But And she talks about this later. It's more important to bring physical physical copies <coughs> to your interview. That is a huge help. Yeah. that that And, and one of the reasons why everyone is <coughs> – if you've sent a physical copy or emailed me a physical copy, if you show up with it, I just told you I'm using that as my basis of the reminder of what school did you go to? All right. What were your highlights? You know, what is your reference? What are your you know areas of interest outside of music, you know, and uh, college that are on your resume? So I agree. Show up with that resume in hand. And if, and you, then, and if you don't, yeah. I had someone problem solve on their feet, which was really impressive. <laughs> I asked for it and she just pulled it up on her phone. Now yeah. I would pref- I still would prefer the physical paper, but I thought, great, that's a good intern, you know? I just can't believe they trusted you to then look at their phone. Uh such so a real leap of faith there. Um, okay, so step eight, treat each resume like a lost puppy or kitten. It says back to my 150 candidates from the last month, not one call to follow up to see if they receive the resume. What is your take on that? I love that line to treat each resume like a lost puppy or kitten. It's like, where did it go? Where is it? Like, find it. So, yeah, she's exactly exactly right. We do have a chapter in the book called Don't Fear the Phone. So I understand when we've grown up with devices, we're not always great at using the phone. But that's a 
perfect, you know, example of fear to break through, pick up the phone and call and see if they got your resume. And really what you're doing there is reinforcing your name. So when they do go through the resumes, your name stands well, out. Well, and, and I'll say, I mean, that was one of the things when I talk about what I took away from your book, you literally train people on how to use the phone. You know, I sometimes forget that you know, I grew up in an age where, yeah, we use the phone and I'm an outgoing extroverted person. I'll call anybody, you know, um, that said, a lot of people don't do that. And so what I love about your book is you can take some of these concepts away, people of, yeah, using it in advance of even getting an internship, use the phone, break through in whatever way that you can. Um, and then we'll move on to, to, Step nine, which is not the last step. It's the second to last step, which is the interview. Um, again, in the show notes, we'll list this link so you guys can go through and read. Uh, but any just general tips from your end on on the interview, Emily? Anything that you've watched work, not work on a consistent basis? Any standouts? Definitely. So prepare, like we said, you know, research, research the person who's interviewing you, check out their LinkedIn. Maybe you went to the same school. Maybe you're from the same part of the country. Um, research, you know, everything, go to every web, every page on the company's website. If it's a music, you know, if it's a music company, check out every single artist, which is, excuse me, much easier in the streaming era. So research, 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 practice with a friend or a family member, have them ask you mock interview skills, have, have them shake your hand. Um, and if you can, you know, like, you know, take some deep breaths that morning. If you don't have a meditation practice, that's all you need to do. Um, have some extra cash on hand in case you get lost going there and need to take a taxi or something. If you do spill coffee on yourself in the morning and it's all over your shirt, you know, on the way and it's on your shirt, don't worry. That makes you more human. So just, you know, a huge advantage of interning is getting these interview jitters out of your system at a young age. I was terrified for my first ever internship interview. And by the time I graduated college, I had done so many. I loved interviews because I was like, I was like, great, I get to talk about all the music stuff I've done. Um, so don't overthink it. Well, I guess we are telling you to think about it. But at the same time, whatever you do to de-stress before a test or something like that, apply that here as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, for those of you that are in bands, whatever you do prior to going into a show, you know, these are the things. And if you if you haven't thought about this, I mean, again, Emily and I are both, we won't give, disclose our, our ages, but you know, look, we've had a lot of experience and, and we're able to approach this stuff with a lot of ease because we fumbled through it. Um, had somebody taught me to not, you know, w- ways to de-stress before some of the biggest events of my life, I probably would have handled them with a lot more grace. So that is, again, one of these broader picture things. Um, you know, on my end, I love that you say, you know, look, if you spill coffee on yourself, it does. It makes you more human. Um, and, you know, a little bit of that ease is can you laugh at yourself? I spend a lot of time laughing at myself. Um, you know, I think life's a, a really enjoyable uh kind of one big practical joke, I'm sure. Uh, and so the more you can do that, you know, but again, you gotta, you gotta assess the situation. Obviously it sounds like Emily and I have a very similar kind of holistic approach to things. Not everybody does. There's a lot of cutthroat freaking crazy people in this business and you can learn a lot from them, either ways to do things or ways not to do things. And they may, you know, be, they may not even walk, you know, not even call you back or not even think about what's on your resume if you've got coffee on your shirt because they see that as a sign of unprofessionalism. It is what it is. 
Um, we can't tell you exactly which person you're interviewing. Read the situation. Do a little bit of that research in advance. All right. Step 10, the, the last step, follow up. Always follow up. She says, even if you didn't love the interview, always send a thank you email and follow up or even better, a card. Say thanks for taking the time to interview. Uh, any takeaways on your end for following up? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, and it's a good time to start thinking about like days of the week and holidays and stuff. So maybe your interview is on a Friday afternoon because like you didn't have classes and things are a little slower at the office. Don't send that thank you email when you get back, like Friday evening or whatever. Wait until Monday and don't send it over the weekend either. Um, so it has a better shot of getting read. And now there's countless programs where you can schedule when emails are sent as well. So if you're booked up with class or work or something all day Monday, you, you can write that email on Friday or over the weekend. And the card thing, um, I think the first time I got a thank you card from an intern um, was from this young woman, Megan, who went to my university. And I knew well enough who I could contact and be like, that is like, what a great idea. And she's like, it's my best trick. I always send thank you cards for like interviews and internships and stuff. And I just thought trick or not it is it's so thoughtful because we don't handwrite anymore. And, and I have terrible handwriting since we never write things anymore. And there are actual companies that will send handwritten cards. Wow. Look at that life hack. Loyal listeners. I didn't I didn't know there was companies that would write cards for you. I actually recently did an interview and thought that I killed it and sent a beautiful follow-up and I didn't get uh, hired for my consultancy. But I think it did make an impact. And the other thing to remember in so much of this, you know, if you've got your heart set on something and you don't get it, it doesn't mean that door is closed forever. I'm sure Emily and I have both had to make hard decisions on choosing between people, sometimes making the right choice, sometimes making the wrong choice. And if you stand out, whether you're selected or not, uh, the way you handle yourself in, uh, it's, it shouldn't even be called rejection, in the idea of not being brought on really shows a lot of character. And, you know, I've watched plenty of times where I've hired an intern in a weekend, something happens in their family and I've got to move on. And, and luckily, you know, the second choice applicant was still available. There's countless uh, things like that. So uh, let's wrap this up. It's been a, a relatively lengthy episode for you loyal listeners. I hope that you've enjoyed it. Um, I've enjoyed it. I love talking to Emily. I learned so much from her each and every time we speak. Um, she truly is a wealth of knowledge. Follow her. Where can people follow you both on your personal socials uh, as well as any professional socials? at emwizzle and at interning101.com. And quick plug, um, I have a new initiative called Hashtag I Voted. We've been activating venues across the country to let fans in on election day, November 6th, who show a photo of themselves outside their polling place. Um, we're up to 57 venues in 27 states plus DC and have a bunch of amazing national acts on board. So if you go to at I Voted concerts, you can play a show, retweet us whatever needs to do and, and that's what we're doing for the midterm elections just when you thought there wasn't more that she could add value in again such an inspiration i've you know of course tried to help in any way that i can with that we'll include this stuff in the show notes um a couple final things on my end first and foremost emily thank you for doing this with me today uh especially on the spur of the moment uh thank you for believing in jabberjaw and our great team with handling 
uh, your podcast. And thank you for just being the, the amazing resource that you are to young people in this business, um, you know, and, and the businesses that you're associated in. Um, loyal listeners, remember rockabilia.com handles and, and supports us. If you're looking for back to school t-shirts or, you know, need a new hoodie for the winter or whatever you might need, 500,000 plus items over there. Tell them Blasco Mike and even Emily sent you PC Jabberjaw is the code for 15% off. Of course, Banzoogle.com. Can you believe Dave Cool is the man's name? It's because he is cool and they are the coolest company to handle your website. They do this all day, every day for some of the biggest names in music. Head on over there. Use the code MENTAL for 15% off of a one-year subscription. Uh, you guys know where to follow me, at Loop on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, I've gotten big into Instagram stories all of a sudden. It's almost like I'm three years behind, um, but I'm playing a lot of catch-up. And last but not least, Outer Loop Coaching is your place for a ton of formalized resources on how to grow your career. Jabberjaw Music Podcast Network, or actually I should say Jabberjaw Media Podcast Network, is a home of many, many great podcasts that continues to grow. Not only in Turning 101, we've got the Smart Punk lead-in podcast that just launched, Blasco's a new level, and so many more coming. Um, yeah, Emily, any parting thoughts or words of wisdom on your end? I love it. Check it out. Thanks again, Emily. Uh, Blasco will be back with us next week. Thank you, listeners. Bye. Hey, this is Dewey Halpas, host of Peer Pleasure on the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Join me each week as I explore another long-form conversation with one of your favorite musicians, actors, comedians, or creatives. From Chino Moreno of the Deftones, John Gorley of Portugal the Man, to Fat Mike from No Effects, and Ian Mackay from Fugazi and Minor Threat, we go all over the map. From Fallout Boy to Slayer, Peer Pleasure has it all. Check us out now on Sound Talent Media. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.